part three chapters three and four of bessie's fortune by mary jane holmes this librivox recording is in the public domain three dead that was what adolph a messenger boy from the quirinal said to gray three days later when the latter accidentally met him in florence and inquired for the young english girl who was so sick with the fever adolph had left the quirinal for florence his home on the evening of the same day of gray's departure from rome the next afternoon the two met accidentally on one of the bridges which crossed the river arnaud dead gray repeated turning white to his lips and staggering as if he had been smitten with a heavy blow how can she be dead they told me she was better the morning i left when did she die a little after twelve the boy replied and gray continued did her cousin come a young man from naples yes the boy answered some gentleman was there a big swell he swore awfully at the clerk about the bills there was no end of a row the bills what does it mean gray thought for he had paid them all up to the time of his leaving then remembering to have heard what exorbitant sums were demanded by the proprietors of hotels when a person died in their house he concluded that this must be the bill which neil was disputing so hotly and bidding good day to the boy he walked on across the river with a feeling that life could never be to him again just what it had been before on the morning when he left the hotel he had seen the nurse and inquired after the patient who she reported had slept well and seemed a little better and now she was dead the girl he loved so much dead in all her soft beauty with only the suns of nineteen summers upon her head dead in rome and he not there with her to take a last look at the fair face which as he walked rapidly on through street after street seemed close beside him sometimes touching his own and making him shiver it was so cold and dead dead and gone dead and gone he kept repeating to himself as he tried to fancy what was passing in the room where he had spent so many hours and where he had kissed the girl now dead and gone for ever if i were only there he thought if i could but kiss her again and hold her hand in mine and for a moment he felt that he must go back and take the matter away from neil who could swear at the expense however great it was he must go back and himself carry bessie to the old home in wales and bury her in the nook between the father and the wall the spot which when he saw it last he little dreamed would be her grave and she so young and fair but to go back would necessitate his telling aunt lucy of the fever and to excite in her alarm and anxiety for his safety so he gave it up but walked on mile after mile until the nightshades were beginning to fall and he realized how late it was and that his aunt must be getting anxious about him hailing a carriage he was driven back to his hotel and found as he expected his aunt alarmed at his protracted absence and still more alarmed at the whiteness of his face and the strange look in his eyes he had never told her a word of bessie or the fever and he would not do so now so he merely said he had walked too far and was tired he should be all right in the morning and he asked permission to retire early to his room where he could be alone with his sorrow they left florence the next day for miss gray who had made a long stop there early in the winter when on her way to rome was anxious to leave italy as soon as possible fancying that the climate did not agree with gray who had not seemed himself since he came from egypt and joined her in rome arrived in venice gray's first act was to inquire for letters but there was nothing from rome nothing from flossie who had promised him to write they were too busy with their preparations for taking bessie home they must be on their way by this time he thought 
and with a heavy heart he journeyed on from venice until vienna was reached and there at the hotel metropole he found jack trevelyan's name registered it would be a relief to talk to him gray thought he had known bessie too and gray must speak to some one of the sorrow weighing so heavily upon him or the burden would break him down that night in jack trevelyan's room two young men sat opposite each other with only a small table between them and on it a single wax candle which threw a faint glimmering light upon the white faces which looked so sadly at each other as in dumb silence the two sat motionless for a few moments after gray had told his news what is it old fellow jack had said cheerily as after expressing his joy and surprise at meeting his friend so unexpectedly and motioning him to a seat he noticed the careworn look upon his face and the set expression upon his mouth what makes you look so like a graveyard crossed in love eh i thought it would come to that some time and knew you would be hard hit when hit at all tell me about it do maybe i do know how it feels and jack laughed a little meaning laugh as he remembered the time when bessie's blue eyes had looked at him and bessie's voice had said i cannot be your wife hush jack and gray put up his hand deprecatingly you don't know how you hurt me bessie is dead dead bessie dead oh gray and jack nearly leaped from his chair in his first surprise and horror then he sat down again and there was a silence between the two for a moment when he said in a voice gray would never have known as his when did she die tell me all about it please but tell it very slowly word by word or i shall not understand you i seem to be terribly unstrung it is so sudden and awful bessie dead and he stared at gray with eyes which did not seem to see anything before them but rather to be looking at something far away in the past and gray who was regarding him curiously knew that mere friendship however strong never wore such semblance of grief as this and there flashed upon him the conviction that like himself jack too had loved the beautiful girl now lost forever to them both while a chill ran through his veins as he thought that possibly jack was an accepted lover and that was why bessie had shrunk from his words of love as something she must not listen to she was engaged to jack trevelyan nothing could be plainer and with this conviction which each moment gathered strength in his mind he resolved to conceal his own heart wound from his rival and talk of the dead girl as if he had only been her friend slowly as jack had bidden him he told the story of her sickness dwelling long on flossie meredith's untiring devotion but saying nothing of the services he had rendered saying only that he was so glad he was there as a gentleman friend was necessary at such a time and in such a place where greed is the rule and not the exception they were expecting neil from naples the day i left or i should have stayed he said and then into jack's eyes there crept a strange hard expression and he wiped the perspiration from his forehead and lips as he said neil yes it was his place not yours or mine but oh gray if i might have seen her if i could have held her dead hand but for a moment and kissed her dear face here jack stopped for his voice was choked with sobs and ere he knew what he was doing gray said to him jack you loved bessie mcpherson yes jack answered him unhesitatingly i do not mind telling it to you i think i have loved her since i first saw her a demure old-fashioned little thing in the funniest bonnet and dress you ever saw sitting with her father in hyde park and looking at the passers-by i watched her for some time wondering who she was and then at last i ventured to speak to her and standing by her chair told her who the people were and found out who she was and called upon her in abingdon road and then she went away 
but her face haunted me continually and even the remembrance of it and of her helped me to a better life than i had led before you knew her mother or rather you knew of her not the woman you saw in rome full of anxiety for her child but a vain selfish intriguing woman whom no good man could respect much as he might admire her dazzling beauty well she had me on her string when i met her daughter but something bessie said to me made me strong to resist coils and arts which satan himself would find it hard to withstand i used to ride with her and flirt with her and bet with her and play at her side in monte carlo and let her fleece me out of money just as she did every one with whom she came in contact but after i knew bessie i broke with her mother entirely and have never played with her or any one since for money you remember the christmas we spent together at stoneleigh you did not guess perhaps how much i loved her then or that i would have asked her to be my wife if i had not been so poor then her father died and you were there before me and i was horribly jealous for i meant she should be mine there was nothing in the way i thought poor hal was dead and had left me his title and estate i could pour some brightness into her weary life and two weeks after the funeral i went back to stoneley and asked her to marry me jack paused a moment and leaning forward eagerly gray said yes you asked her to marry you and she consented no oh no jack groaned if she had she might not now have been dead my bessie whom i loved so much she refused me and worst of all she told me she was plighted to neil her cousin to neil bessie plighted to neil that is impossible for he is to marry blanche trevelyan so everybody says gray exclaimed conscious of a keener pang than he had experienced when he thought jack his rival and everybody is right jack replied he will marry blanche but he was engaged to bessie under the promise of strictest secrecy until his mother who had threatened to disinherit him was reconciled or he found something which would support him without any effort on his part neil mcpherson would never exert himself or deny himself either even for the woman he loved and gray i speak the truth when i tell you that i would rather know that bessie was dead than to see her neil's wife gray did not answer but something in the pallor of his face and the expression of his eyes struck jack suddenly and stretching his hand across the table he said very low and very sadly gerald you loved her too i see it in your face yes gray answered him i loved her too and would have given years of my life to have saved her though not for neil better far as it is better for her i mean though our lives are wrecked at least mine is but for you there may still be a happy future and on the ashes of the dead love a new one may arise to bless you never jack answered emphatically then after a moment as if his thoughts had followed gray's he asked do you know how long mrs meredith intends remaining in rome or where she expects to go after leaving there gray replied that he did not while a faint smile played round his mouth as he looked at his friend who detected the smile and comprehending its meaning he said with a heightened colour i know you are thinking of flossie bessie thought of her too and asked why i did not marry her but that will never be though she is as bright and beautiful an irish lassie as ever gladdened the eyes of a man and the castle is so lonesome without her buzzing about and stirring up things generally that i have serious thoughts of inviting her grandmother to take up her abode there so i can have flossie back the servants adore her but she will never be my wife she would tire and worry me to death with her restlessness and activity when i lost bessie i lost everything and have nothing left but her memory not even a flower which she has worn 
gray hesitated a moment then taking from his pocket the package which flossie had given him he opened it and holding to view the long silken curl said to jack flossie cut this from bessie's head when the fever was at its height and though there is not in the world gold enough to buy it from me i will divide it with you and parting it carefully he laid one half of it upon jack's hand around which it seemed to cling with a loving tenacity it was strange how vividly that wavy hair brought bessie back to the young men who had loved her so much and who at sight of it broke down entirely and laying their heads upon the table cried for a moment as only strong men can cry for the dear little girl who they felt sure was lying in her grave in far-off stonely four poor daisy four weeks passed away and gray with his aunt lucy was journeying through russia bearing with him a sense of loss and pain the mails were very irregular and he had never heard a word either from flossie or neil nor had he written to them he could not yet bring himself to speak of bessie even upon paper though he sometimes felt a little aggrieved that neil did not write to him and tell him of his loss and so the weeks went on and one day toward the middle of april when the english skies were at their best and the hyacinths and crocuses were blooming in the yew garden at stoneleigh a little band of mourners went down the broad gravelled walk to the enclosure where in the narrow space between archie's grave and the wall another grave was made and there in silence and in tears they buried not bessie but her mother poor weak frivolous daisy who had succumbed to the fever and died after a three weeks illness bessie was not dead as the messenger boy had reported to gray in florence but the young girl from america sick on the same floor had died about noon on the day of gray's departure and with his rather limited knowledge of english the boy had mistaken her for bessie and as her brother had arrived that morning and had sworn roundly at the frightful bill presented to him the boy had naturally confounded this party with the one for whom gray inquired and this had been the cause of so much needless pain and sorrow to both jack trevelyan and gray neil had come from naples on the morning train very tired and worn with his trip to egypt and a good deal out of sorts because of a letter received from his mother in naples in which she rated him soundly for his extravagance telling him he must economize and that the check she sent him a very small one must suffice until his return to england where she confidently expected him to marry cousin blanche before the season was over i hear she wrote in conclusion that the widow of archibald macpherson is in rome with her daughter but i trust you will not allow them to entangle you in any way the mother will fleece you out of every farthing you have while the daughter well i do not know her so will not say what she may do only keep clear of them both and shun that crafty woman as you would the plague with this letter in his pocket and barely enough money to defray his own expenses for a few weeks longer it is not to be wondered at if neil was not in a very jubilant state of mind when he reached the quirinal and found matters as they were bessie very low with the fever of which she had a mortal terror and her mother destitute of funds except as gray gerald had supplied them or as she had borrowed from mrs meredith to whom she owed twenty pounds with no possible means of paying all this and more she tearfully explained to neil who listened to her with a great sinking at his heart and a feeling that he had plunged into something dreadful from which he could not escape there was manliness enough in his nature to make him wince a little when he heard what gray had done while at the same time he was conscious of a pang of jealousy as he reflected that only a stronger sentiment than mere friendship for bessie could have actuated gray generous and noble as he knew him to be oh if i were rich he sighed 
as with a conviction that he was about the most abused person in the world he went into the room where bessie lay white and worn and motionless almost as the dead for though the fever had left her she was very weak and could only whisper her welcome while the great tears rolled down her cheeks neil was awfully afraid of her there might still be infection in her breath and infection in the room he fancied he smelled it and involuntarily put his hands to his mouth and nose as he drew near the bed bessie saw the motion and interpreted aright oh neil she said with a sob you are not afraid of me no certainly not only this fever is a confounded thing when it takes hold of a great hulking fellow like myself and just now i am very tired he said then heartily ashamed of himself as he saw the look of distress on bessie's face he bent and kissed her forehead and told her how sorry he was to find her so sick and that he would not leave her till she was strong again but all the time he talked he fidgeted in his chair and kept looking at the door as if anxious to escape into the fresher air do you think there is any danger he said to flossie whom he encountered in the adjoining room flossie knew he was afraid and there was mischief in the merry irish lassie's heart as she replied danger oh no if she is kept quiet and carefully nursed the doctor says she will soon get well enough to be moved yes i know that of course neil stammered i mean is there any danger of my taking it from her from the room from the air you know are you afraid of it flossie asked him very demurely and he replied N no yes i believe i am does that make any difference i should say it did very decidedly flossie answered with great earnestness and evident concern mr gerald was not one bit afraid and he was in there all the time this with a saucy twinkle in her black eyes as she saw the flush in neil's face and guessed its cause you did not kiss her of course she continued with the utmost gravity yes i did he answered promptly do you think do you think yes i do she said decidedly adding to herself i think you are a fool to him she continued i'll tell you what to do grandma is afraid like you so i know all the preventives let me burn a match or two under your nose so that the fumes will saturate your face that will counteract any bad effects from the kiss and to prevent contagion hereafter get a good-sized leak you can find one at any grocer's put it in a bit of cloth with a piece of camphor gum and wear it over the pit of your stomach you may even brave the smallpox with that about your person but won't it smell awfully neil asked with a shudder as he thought of wearing about his person an obnoxious leak whose odour he abominated it will smell some but what of that you can endure a great deal in order to feel safe flossie replied neil could endure a great deal where his personal safety was concerned and wholly deceived by flossie's manner he submitted to the burnt matches which nearly strangled him and brought on so violent a fit of coughing as made him fear lest he should burst a blood vessel i guess you are all right as far as the kiss is concerned flossie said nearly bursting with merriment and now for the leek and camphor i'll fix it for you he found the leek and the camphor and flossie tied them up for him in a bit of linen and bade him be quite easy in his mind as with these disinfectants he was impervious to the plague itself what a coward he is to be sure she said as she watched him hurrying down the hall to his room with his disinfectants sir jack told me he was a milksop and not half worthy of bessie and he was right i think him an idiot leeks indeed won't he smell though when the leek gets warm through and begins to fume you 
and the little nose went up higher than its wont as flossy returned to the sick-room that night neil wrote to his mother the exact condition of affairs telling her how he had found his aunt and cousin whom he could not leave without being stigmatized as a brute telling her what gray had done for them telling her that they owed old mrs meredith twenty pounds and that unless she wished a subscription paper to be started for them in the hotel among the english many of whom were her acquaintances she must send money to relieve their necessities and pay their bills neil felt almost sure that this last would touch his mother when nothing else could reach her and he was right neither she nor her husband cared to have their friends contribute to the needs of any one who bore their name and the letter which lady jane sent to her son contained sixty pounds which she bade him use to the best possible advantage adding that he was to leave rome as soon as he could with any show of decency this neil would gladly have done if he could but when his mother's letter arrived it found him plunged into a complication of difficulties from which he could not extricate himself daisy had suddenly been stricken down with the fever which developed so rapidly and assumed so violent a form that neil's strength and courage and patience were taxed to the utmost and he might have succumbed entirely if it had not been for flossie who was equal to any emergency and who resisted all her grandmother's efforts to get her out of the fever hole as she designated the hotel flossie would not go so long as bessie needed her she was not afraid she said and every morning her eyes were just as saucy and mirthful and the roses on her cheek just as bright as if she had not been up half the night soothing the wildly delirious daisy and encouraging neil who as the days went by rose a little in her estimation he threw the obnoxious leak from his window when as flossie had predicted its fumes became intolerable and he gave up the large sunny room which he had occupied at first and took a smaller less expensive one and he learned to deny himself many things before that terrible fever had burned itself out he gave up table d'hote and lunch and took to the restaurants outside he gave up driving on the pincian hill or having carriages at all and patronized the street-cars and omnibuses when he went out for an airing as flossie insisted that he should do each day i do believe i could make something of him in time the energetic little lady thought but dear me bessie would humour all his fancies and be a perfect slave to his caprices even now she will not let him wait upon her much for fear of tiring him and so the days went on until two weeks were gone and then one april morning it was whispered among the few guests remaining in the hotel that death was again in the house and more trunks were packed in haste and more people left until the fourth floor was almost as silent as the room in which daisy lay dead with a strange beauty in her face to which had returned as it sometimes does all the freshness and loveliness of youth so that she looked like some fair young girl as she lay upon her pillow with her hands upon her bosom just as she had folded them when at the last she said to those around her it is growing late i think i will retire good-night then clasping her hands together she began the prayer of her childhood now i lay me down to sleep repeating the whole distinctly while with the words i pray thee lord my soul to take she went to meet the god who is so pitiful and kind and who knew all the good that was in her and knew too what thoughts of remorse for the past and prayers for forgiveness had been in her heart during the few lucid intervals which had been given to her she had been delirious most of the time and in her delirium had talked of things which made poor bessie shudder they revealed to her so much more of her mother's past than she had ever known monte carlo was the field to which her fancy oftenest took flight and there at the gaming-table she sat again going through the excitement of the olden time losing and winning winning and losing 
sometimes with teddy at her side and sometimes with men of a baser lower type with whom she bandied jests until the scene was too horrible even for the iron-nerved flossie to endure then there were moments of perfect consciousness when she knew and spoke rationally to those about her and tried to comfort bessie who insisted upon having a lounge taken into the room so that she might see her mother if she could not minister to her once startled by the expression of the faces around her daisy said why do you all look so sorry am i very sick am i going to die oh am i going to die i cannot die i cannot don't let me die don't don't it was like the cry of a frightened child begging a reprieve from punishment and that piteous don't don't rang in bessie's ears long after the lips which uttered the words were silent in death during their journeyings together daisy had shown the best there was in her and had really seemed trying to reform when on her return from america she had suggested that they go abroad saying she would sell her diamonds to defray the expenses bessie had refused at first and had only consented on condition that her mother abandoned all her old habits of life and neither played nor bet nor practised any of her wiles upon the opposite sex for the purpose of extorting money from them and all this daisy promised i'll be as circumspect as a methodist parson's wife she said and she kept her word as well as it was possible for her to do she neither played nor bet nor coaxed money from her acquaintances by pretty tales of poverty and if she sometimes bandied familiar jests with her gentlemen friends bessie did not know it and there was springing up in her heart a strong feeling of respect for her mother who just as the new life was beginning was to be taken from her oh mamma she sobbed putting her poor pale face close to that of the dying woman for neil had taken her in his arms and laid her beside her mother oh mamma how can i give you up then as the greater fear for her mother's future overmastered every other feeling she said speak to me mother tell me you are not afraid tell me you are sorry tell me oh my heavenly father if mother must die forgive her all the past and take her to thyself yes daisy murmured moving a little uneasily forgive me all the past and there is so much to forgive i am sorry and most of all for archie and bessie whom i neglected so long oh how pleasant the old home at stoneleigh looks to me now bury me by archie in the grass it is so quiet there and now it is getting late i think i will retire good night and then folding her hands together she said the now i lay me and flossie who was bending over her knew that she was dead and motioning to neil bade him take bessie away neil was very tender and very kind and loving to the poor little girl quivering with pain but uttering no sound and shedding no tears as she lay passive in his arms but he felt that he was badly abused and that the burden laid upon him was heavier than he could bear could he have had his way daisy would have been buried in the protestant cemetery in rome this would have been far less expensive and have saved him no end of trouble but when he suggested it to bessie she said no so decidedly that he gave it up and nerved himself to meet what he never could have met but for flossie who as far as she could managed everything even to battling fiercely with the proprietor whose bill she compelled him to lessen by several hundred francs and when he demanded payment for four dozen towels which she said had been ruined she insisted upon taking the towels which she said were hers if she paid for them 
never had a portier or clerk encountered such a tempest as she proved to be and they finally surrendered the field and let her have her own way shrugging their shoulders significantly as they called her la petite diable irlandaise it was old mrs meredith who furnished the necessary funds for there was no time to send to england neil telegraphed to his father asking him to go down to stoneleigh and meet them on their arrival with the body but the honourable john was suffering with the gout and only anthony and dorothy were there when neil and flossie and bessie came the latter utterly exhausted and unable to sit up a moment after entering the house so they took her to her old room which dorothy had made as comfortable and pleasant as she could and there bessie lay weak as a little child while the kind neighbours came again and stood in the yew-shaded cemetery where daisy was buried and where there was room for no more of the macphersons now what flossie said to neil when the burial was over and they sat alone in the parlour now what are you going to do and when he answered gloomily i am sure i don't know she flashed her black eyes upon him and replied you don't know then let me tell you marry bessie at once what else can you do surely you will not leave her here alone i know i ought not to leave her here neil said despondingly but i cannot marry her now why not flossie asked him sharply and he replied i cannot marry her and starve as we surely should do i have no means of my own and mother would turn me from her door if i brought her bessie as my wife as it is i dread going to her with all these heavy bills it was a foolish thing to bring mrs macpherson home and i said so at the time that woman has been a curse to every one with whom she ever came in contact oh mamma poor mamma i wish i too were dead as you are moaned or rather gasped a little white-faced girl who was standing just outside the door and had heard all neil was saying bessie had remained upstairs as long as she could endure it but when she heard voices in the parlour and knew that neil and flossie were there she arose and putting on a dressing-gown and shawl crept downstairs to go to them but flossie's question arrested her steps and leaning against the side of the door she heard all their conversation and knew the bitterness there was in neil's heart toward her mother less by what he said than by the tone of his voice as he said it for there was in it a cold hard ring which made her shiver and sent her back to the bed she had quitted where she lay for hours until she had thought it out and knew what she meant to do but she said nothing of her decision either to neil or flossie the latter of whom left her the next day to join her grandmother in london neil waited a few days longer loath to leave bessie and dreading to go home and meet what he knew he must meet when he told his mother the amount of her indebtedness to mrs meredith who had signified her wish to be paid as soon as possible naturally dull of perception as he was neil was vaguely conscious of a change in bessie's manner but he attributed it to grief for the loss of her mother wondering a little that she could mourn so deeply a death which to him seemed a relief for daisy was not a person whom he would care to acknowledge as his mother-in-law bessie could not forget the words she had overheard and though they might be true she knew neil ought not to have spoken them to a comparative stranger and she began to realize as she never had before that in neil's nature there was much which did not accord with hers many and many a time thoughts of grey gerald filled her mind and in her half-waking hours at night she heard again his voice so full of sympathy and felt an inexpressible longing to see him again and hear him speak to her still she meant to be loyal to neil and on the morning of his departure when he was deploring his inability to marry her at once she lifted her sad eyes to him and said is there nothing you can do to help yourself i will do my part gladly and it cannot cost us much to live just us two 
the next moment her face was crimson as she reflected that what she had said seemed like begging neil to marry her and his answer was not very reassuring there is nothing for me to do absolutely nothing don't other men find employment if they want it bessie asked and he replied yes if they want it but i do not you know as well as i the prejudice among people of my rank against clerkships and trade and the like as a rule the macphersons do not work but i am not ashamed to work and i am as much a macpherson as you bessie answered him emboldened for once to say what she thought yes he answered slowly and i am sorry for it you told me at one time you thought of going out as governess never harbour that idea again if you care for me i cannot have people pointing out my wife as one who had taught their children bessie bowed her head silently as if in acquiescence and neil never suspected what was passing in her mind nor dreamed that a tide was set in motion which would take bessie away from him for ever chapters three and four